Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Great to be back with you. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Monday, May 21st, the year is 2018, five days away from a big birthday for Ken Flo, by the way. Oh, that's right. Wow. Episode 156 today, Anakin Florian podcast. So most of you ingest this podcast with audio and not video. But if you are watching this on FoxSports.com or YouTube.com in the United States, I am in my daughter's bedroom today. <laughs> Last week I was at my mother's house, today in my daughter Riley's bedroom. So the backdrop is what it is. Can flow all blacked out in L.A., buddy. <laughs> That's right, man. A, a little musical chairs. You got, you got some construction work going on over there at the end? Yeah, we're uh, doing a bathroom. And, uh, okay. you know, my good man, Howard, who's a huge UFC fan, I oh, found nice. out, by the way. Uh, he just said this would be the quietest room. So I'm rolling the dice. And uh, he, tur- he turned the reggae off for now. So he's given me about an hour and 15 minutes, music free. <laughs> so, uh, so for you, right off the desk, I mean, do you like when we do a podcast – you know, 36 hours after you do the post-fight show, because in one sense, the prep is done. Right. In another sense, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to try to do it in a, in a creative, maybe different way, but I'm going to ask you a lot of the same questions Karen Bryant was asking exactly. you like 30 hours ago. Right. I, You know, I hate redundancy. I hate repeating right. myself right. and repeating myself and repeating right. I hear myself you. and repeating It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the godfather, Ray Longo, is going to join us here off the top yes. of the show today. He celebrated a big birthday yesterday, 60. And I don't Oof. know if you saw the Instagram video. Guys doing like weapons training, sparring, like with headgear, uh, sled pushes, just getting after it. He's I think he just wants to usher in the 60s in a big way. So Longo is going to join us in a minute. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to the Stanley Cup final in their expansion season. One of the more amazing sports stories, certainly in North America in our lifetime. So we're going to talk to Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal, MMA writer. We'll get into some UFC stuff, but a lot of Vegas Golden Knights stuff with Adam Hill. And then, of course, picks coming up. Uh, for the show in Liverpool this weekend, should be a crazy atmosphere there for Thompson until we'll look back at Chile. Uh, but we're going to start with the man, the legend, the godfather, Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. <laughs> Wow. Doesn't look a day over 60. 
what is wrong with me? <laughs> 16, okay. I'm still acting like an idiot. Congrats. On, that's the, secret, that's the way. Act. That's the way you got to be, Ray. You're inspiring me, buddy. I'm not going to conventional thinking never, ever. That's right. So how does your wife think you look at 60? Because I think you look pretty good. No, my wife, my wife is uh, is awesome, man. She uh, she thinks I look great, and that's all that matters. But yeah, she, uh, she's a sweetheart. For what I put her through, she should be torturing me. Like, she's, so, a, she's a good woman. So I was on your social media this weekend, and as Tim Kennedy likes to say, hello, trouble. And if, if you encounter trouble, Ray, you look like you're ready. I think I still got a little in me. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you never know until that time comes, but. Somebody's getting stabbed at this point. You're right, Kenny. I don't <laughs> want to hurt, right. hurt my hands at this point. That's I mean, right. Don't I? Don't I get a pass at sixty? <laughs> I could do something stupid and it's get away with it. It's Come better on. to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in the war, Ray. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. I'll take it. So, are I'll... you are you taking shots, active shots to the head? I saw the headgear going on there. Uh, you know, that's the only. I'm going to say the only. You got to be careful. So you got to have the right dance partner. I mean, I probably right. sparred that. That guy I was sparring with has been a student for like 15 years. And I, we kind of even know each other at this point. So yeah. it's, you know, when you, when you get, I probably sparred that guy three, 400 rounds in the course right. of the year. So, I mean, I, I brought him in cause he's big and he could take it, you know, in case I get a little sloppy and he's not going to, there's no ego invested. So he's, he's a great guy. Shout out to Mikey Ice's. Really good dude, and he's really good, man. He's a great guy. He knows how to control. He knows how to go a little hard, pull back. and So if you have the right dance partner, I recommend it. If not, I wouldn't be getting banged in the head at 60. But, right. you know, if, if, it, look, man, it is it is liberating. You know, I took a couple of jabs to the head, and, you know, it's, I, I don't know. That part is a little weird, but, you know, I'm so comfortable to do it. It's not, you know, I, I am conscious of it, though, you know, for the right. first time, you know, because I used to, starting at, like, 40, I would – I would spar like whatever my birthday was. I'd do like 40 rounds in a week. So like, I think that stopped like when I was 50 and then people were like, are you going to do 60 rounds this week? And I was like, no, I did. I did six. I hope that was good enough. Yeah, that's but good. I, that's good. And enough. I thought of, and I actually thought about that. I'm like, yeah, I don't, don't want to be getting punched in the head for that. I don't know. I am. I'm, I'm getting soft. I think is what's happening. Nah. Maybe a little smart and soft, but, uh, it was tempting, man. I felt like just going the whole week and doing like, you know, eight, ten rounds a day and getting the right people, little guys, you know, that can't really hurt you and just Yeah. It's fun. It I, really I know fun I know one of those guys. I might be good for that role. Oh, little guys fun. who can't really hurt you. No, you let me tell you, so me and you would have fun. I I, I bet. promise you that. So uh so this is sort of like a birthday ritual for you. If you if you do want to watch Ray Longo push a sled and I encourage you to do so on Instagram, it's at Ray Longo MMA. And you said, if you think you're old, you become old. Find something you love to do and do it as often as possible. Surround yourself with great people and go. And then a little typo here, Ken Flo. He says, some snipers of my weekly routine leading up to my 60th birthday. I think maybe you meant snippets or something, Ray. But uh, points well taken. Yeah. So uh, Kamaru Usman, did you see the the whole card in Chile this weekend? And if so, your thoughts on, on Mr. Usman and ultimately where he goes from here after a win that certainly can be dissected uh, every which way but sideways. Yeah, exactly. No, I saw, I did see that fight. I didn't see the whole card, but I did see that fight. And uh, I think Usman's, he, he's possibly the next champion. I, I think that kid's really good. Thought he fought a very smart fight against a guy that, you know, 
I, I think that's the recipe, obviously, at this point for Damian Meyer is to keep the fight standing. And, uh, you know, I think he needs one more test, and we'll see where he goes. But I, I like Kamal Usman. You know, I think he's uh, he's got some really good training partners down there, and I think uh, he's he's definitely got a shot. He looks He looks really good to me, that kid. Kenny, I just have one more for Ray, and then if yeah. you have anything for the birthday boy, by all means. Aljamain Sterling, we talked a lot about this, and people probably think I'm just banging this drum, but he's now playing the waiting game a little bit. It's been a month. All indications are that Dominic Cruz is not going to be ready until November. That is the fight that he is pining for. I think he deserves it, but at this point, uh, maybe it's premature in terms of you guys having a conversation, but it would seem to me that November's too long to wait if you're Aljamain Sterling with this momentum. Oh, yeah, he's going to get in there before that. He, I, I could see him and Lineker maybe matching up. I think that's a great test for Aljo. Uh, I think, uh, you know, obviously Lineker hits like a freight train, but I think Aljo's got the movement to negate a lot of that, and he's got the wrestling to negate it. So I think that's a good test for Aljo because, you know, that guy's coming guns blazing, and he's beat a lot of people, and uh, that, that might be a possible fight too, I think he might be thinking about. If if he doesn't get the cruise fight. I love the cruise fight, though. I think that's a great fight for both guys. Ray, before you go, I just have one question. Do you set goals for yourself? Like, you know, you turn 60. Do you have, like, a, a goal that you want to accomplish for this year? Uh, Well, you know, the biggest thing for me in the last, uh, the last year, and it's kind of why I put up the video, I think I'm down, like, 50 pounds. So that's amazing. For me, it was really just a better quality of life. And I, I'm, I'm telling you – like, even with the sled push, and I push the sled probably three times a week, workout. I'm at the point now where I have to take a day off on purpose. Mm -hmm. I got great people that push me. I really think I'm surrounded by some really good people, and uh, I got great training partners that, you know, work around whatever I have going on. So, yeah, the goal really for me was just to lose weight and get healthy. I think about a year and a half ago, I took a I had a blood test that looked like I was heading towards that pre-diabetes, that my uh, mm. sugars were going up. And I was like, oh, I'm not going out like this, man. I just, yeah. I went yeah. cold. I, I'm telling you, I went cold turkey the next day. And fortunately, I got on a roll. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm down 50. And that was the, I just want to keep the momentum going. So, I mean, like a goal for next year would be to look better than I did this year. You know what I mean? And, uh We'll see. You know what I mean? I'm going to keep the, uh, you know, like, again, I don't, I don't want it. it I, I Like I like the sparring is the only risky thing in there, obviously, right. because of the, with, with so much publicity with the head trauma. But I do believe if you have the right people, you could still. That's why I love with the drilling, Kenny, is that you get a taste of it without getting banged in the head. Yep. And then if you have the right people, you go in there, you get a couple of rounds in. So you want that edgy. You don't know if you're getting hit them. You know, you're stressing out, you know, it, it. it Sparring, if it's done the right way, I think is really liberating, and it really is is a confidence booster, and if it, 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 it could really be a positive thing. But I wouldn't suggest, you know, I'm not suggesting going to war right. with somebody at right. 60, but if you have the right people and you trust them, I think it's a great thing. Again, that's awesome, man. You know, just a, a yeah. couple of things. Obviously, you know, these things can be can be reversed with with good diet with working out and the other thing you didn't just choose walking down the street you know on the sidewalk for like a mile you're like pushing sleds and as a guy who's pushed a lot of sleds that's not easy man you chose a, yeah. a hard yeah. way to go about getting in shape so that yeah. you should be you know applauded man time with that sled gian volante He's yeah a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no. but you know what it is like you know uh 
I think the biggest thing is I'm really just an average guy, always struggled with my weight. So if I could do it, anybody could do it. And that was really kind of the message, man. I've mm, always been, right. I've always had a problem with my weight, but for the last year and a half, I've been so consistent it's awesome, and I'm not, not a perfect diet, but for the most part, you know, it, the diet's pretty point on and uh, a shout out to eat clean, bro. You know, I get my meals delivered to the gym. That takes a lot out of it. It's great, yeah. great food. It's healthy cooking. I, you know, like I don't have to, I'm not waiting to eat to where I make mistakes. You know what I mean? They say that about willpower. Just keep that, you know, keep your blood sugar level right. Cause once you start going all over the place, you'll make shitty decisions. So right. eating right and having that food prepared for me, for what my schedule was a huge thing. So eat yeah. clean, bro, is, you know, a lot of guys in the gym, all the fighters use it. And luckily I piggyback off of their backs and I get the food. And it's really phenomenal. Anybody, that's one one adjustment I would make is just have that food ready to go so that you don't yeah. have to think about it or you don't drift off and yeah. grab a cheeseburger or something like that, you know. But oh, I think I'm going to do more on that, you know what I mean? And the only thing missing, Kenny, mm. was a little jujitsu, which that's See, my there next you go. thing. You know, but <laughs> awesome. again, for that, Kenny, I want a guy about 140, 150 that's... pounds. So <laughs> yeah, I don't right. start going to war with anybody. I just rep. <laughs> You know, light roll, yeah. you know what I mean? But that's a, that's the only thing I left out. And uh, I'm sure Matt Serra would be happy if I get back to doing some of that stuff. That's so awesome, man. That that's I'm going to say for next year, that's probably what that's going to be the goal. Wow. Wow. Be yeah. careful, man. That's like oh, a yeah. ripped Achilles waiting to happen, that Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu stuff. I don't know. I, again, and Kenny, I'm telling you this, as an older guy, you really have to be careful. And that's, yeah. you know... It's really all about finding the right training partner. Absolutely, man. Like again, I'm not look. I'm not looking to, like you know, bang it. Up. I mean, I would if I had to, but I mean, I'm not looking to do that on a daily basis. And I don't want to be getting into crazy scrambles or anything yeah. like that. And again, if you're eating right, you're sleeping right, you're hydrated, the chance of injury is going to go down exponentially. It just is. Yeah. Man. Trust me. That I've had pains in my body that just disappeared with the weight loss and eating right, you know? So yeah, the diet sure. is, the diet is critical. It's huge, yeah. The diet is critical. Get rid of all the processed shit, throw it out the window. It's not good for you. Eat right, do what you want to do, and you'll be happy, man. It really is. That's that's the thing. I'm really on a good roll, and I just want to stay there for, forever. I'm not going to throw it out the window, the processed foods, but I'll finish what I have, and then <laughs> I won't buy any more. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, that's happy fine. 60th, that's buddy. Fine. I know there's a misconception that this lifestyle change had something to do with the Anakin Florian podcast going to video, folks. He's not <laughs> about that life, okay? Hey, I, before I know, I just had one thing written down. Dude, WB, your boy Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fighting Darren Till this weekend. That's right. My expectation, this is not going to be a picnic, despite the fact that WB is about a two-to-one favorite. Quick thoughts on the way out on Thompson Till this weekend. Hey, obviously, you know what I think of Wonderboy Thompson. I think he's the best striker in there. His movement is phenomenal. I, I think, again, what he did to Jorge Masvidal, who I really put up on a pedestal as a really, really good fighter, was phenomenal to me. The, just the angles, he, he was able to get some of that stuff off. And, like, again, that's why, you know, I like sparring, because some of that stuff he does is really hard to pull off. And, uh, yeah, I think WB is going to have to, you know, hold that range. This kid's aggressive. We know he hits hard, but... I think WB is going to offset him with the movement and, you know, he's going to catch him with stuff that that guy's never seen coming before. And that's going to be the difference in the fight. All right. We look forward to it. We'll talk to you about it next week, my man. Have a, have a good birthday week and uh, eat clean, bro. We'll talk to you soon.
Health is wealth, baby. Let's do it. Yes, then. sir. Health is wealth, John. Happy birthday, Ray. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Raymond, Peter, Longo, He's in fine current form. Well, I remember about a year ago, all of a sudden, he looked like he had dropped like half a body. And, and obviously, yeah. he looks great. And, and more importantly, he has stayed with it. So good stuff there from Ray Longo. Uh, good stuff from Kamaru Usman, Ken Flo, over the mm. weekend. All things considered, easy winner over Damian Maya. It was the main event, Santiago Chile. So sixth unanimous decision win, spanning eight UFC wins overall for Kamaru Usman. He's 8-0 in the UFC. We'll spin it forward in a second, but anyone who saw the post-fight show certainly knows you had a lot to say about both sides of this equation. Maya's failures, Usman's not perfect performance, but dominant. So yeah. the floor is yours, kid. What do you think about Kamaru Usman and what he was able to do against Maya? Well, listen, you know the, the blueprint was out there, right, with, with Tyron Woodley and with Colby Covington. Um, he knew what exactly he, he needed to do to win that fight, and I thought he was very successful for the most part. Um, and he was able to stop the takedown. Uh, he was able to, you know, land some good shots on the feet against Damian Maya. Apparently broke one or two hands or at least injured uh, both of his hands. Um, and he, he wasn't throwing as many combinations, and I think if he was throwing combinations as opposed to just looking for that one shot, uh, he probably would have got the knockout against Damian Maya. Um, but at the same time, when you're facing a guy that is that dangerous, who, who if you end up on your back um, against, you're going to be in trouble. Um, and, and Damian Maya certainly would have got the submission if he landed on top. So Kamaro played it safe. It's about getting the W at the end of the day. Um, wasn't the most exciting of performances, um, but but uh, a solid job nonetheless, man. To go on this kind of a win streak in the UFC uh, in a very difficult welterweight division in the UFC, I think is very impressive. So we mentioned six of those eight wins by unanimous decision, and that has been a knock on Usman, that despite the fact that there are 30 to 26s and 30 to 25 times three against Alexander Yakovlev all over his record, mm -hmm. dominant, dominant wins, but the finishes aren't there. And Kenny, you as a fighter, this was something you really prided yourself on and, and call it a different era. I understand that, right? But yeah. The reason you don't see a lot of 30 to 25s times three in a fight is because more often than not, when there's a beating that pronounced, the opponent is gotten out of there by the winning fighter. And I think that's really the only thing holding Kamaru Usman back at this point. I agree. Listen, I think I, we'd all like to see more finishes from Kamaru Usman, as would Kamaru and the UFC for that matter. Um, it makes it more exciting, right? You want to be able to cut your own highlight reels in that manner. Um, and, and, you know, the problem now for Camaro is as good of a fighter as he is, if you've seen one Camaro fight, you've essentially seen them all. Um, so as a martial artist, as a fighter, um, as a promoter, you want to be able to market to different things and, and show that this is a fighter that can do it all. He does have a, a knockout over another Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion, Sergio Moraes. Uh, however, that that's pretty much it. All the other fights, he's essentially wrestled his way to a win, um, right. and it doesn't make him an easy fight by any means. Uh, but uh, he's still a very difficult challenge uh, with the skills that he has. But if he wants to make some more noise, he just needs to do it inside the octagon. Uh, another knockout, right. maybe get some submissions going. Uh, right. That that would be huge for him. Right. Got to get the boss excited. And yeah. I don't want to speak for Dana White, but there are just a lot of different things that go into this equation. 
And as you do try to spin it forward and look for a next opponent for Kamaru Usman, you can argue that this win didn't do a whole lot for him. Right. I don't know what Santiago Pontanibio's timeline is. I know he's in a cast right now. I'd like to see them remake that fight. And if that's the, the course of action, then Kamaru gains very little except that he preserves that fight because he still hasn't lost in the UFC. The other names I have highlighted here, Jorge Gamebred, Masvidal, Kenny, he's taken some time. I know you mentioned Robbie Lawler. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a fight that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, but if Lawler's on the men, maybe the timeline isn't there. Who do you think we will see next for Kamar Usman at this point? Right, and, and with Robbie Lawler, I know obviously they, they're training with the same coaches and all that stuff, so that's probably something they'd want to put on the back burner unless it's maybe uh, for the belt or maybe a fight to fight for the belt. Um, but, you know, I, I like the Jorge Masvidal fight. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and in regards to the Ponzinibbio fight, I would like to see that. You know, some people were saying, well, you know, Ponzinibbio, you know, given that Maya was able to touch him, uh, Kamaru up a little bit, I, I think Ponzinibbio would knock him out. Well, Kamaru wouldn't fight that same fight against Santiago Ponzinibbio, right? He would use his right. hands primarily to set up his takedowns. He would want to go to the mat with someone like Ponzinibbio. Didn't want to do that against someone like Damian Maya. Uh, the smart choice there. And um, I think he still has a lot of interesting matchups. I just think after this fight here um, against Damian Maya, I think the UFC will probably take their time with Kamaru. I don't know if they're going to give right. him a shot uh, right. at someone leading up to the belt, you know, maybe two fights, one fight away. They might be looking at kind of a, a, a three-fight plan or more. And again, this is the moving time this year for this welterweight division. All the guys essentially ranked above Kamaru Usman with the exception, exception of Masvidal and Lawler have fights, you know, Thompson yeah. until this weekend. That's number one versus number eight. Tosanjos and Covington, two and three in the world right now. They fight on June 9th. And, of course, Maya there at number five. He was ranked ahead of Kamaru. So Usman's in the top five. We'll see what happens with him. And I do think eventually he'll work his way to a title fight. And then it's just about once you get there, what can you do with it? Because a lot of us said for a long time, Kenny, for Tyron Woodley, you just got to calculatedly get your way to that title fight. He got it. He took advantage. He's held the belt ever since. On the other side, yep. uh, Damian Maya, Kenny, your friend. Uh, it, it's it's tricky to sort of put this into context because there was a time when Damian Maya was a borderline UFC Hall of Famer. And now judging the body of work, I feel like that candidacy has taken a little bit of a hit, despite the fact that I can sit here and glorify him for 15 minutes if that's the content you need. I have huge right. appreciation for everything that he brings to the table, but some of these numbers are astonishing. Oh, for his last 49 takedown attempts inside the octagon. I know some will say he took Kamar Usman down early, but fight metric did not score that as a takedown. Uh, there has been some unprecedented futility here, Kenny, and I know you kind of let him have it, have it a little bit on the post-fight yeah. show, just in an analytical sense, because that's what you're paid to do. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I'm obviously, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Damian, uh, Damian Maya. Um, you know, he, I consider him a buddy, and he's one of those guys I've always looked up to as a martial artist, and um, I still do. However, you know, when you make a mistake as a fighter or you fight a certain fight uh, against a style of fighter, like a wrestler, for example, and, and obviously Damian has had the experience of going against Tyron Woodley uh, and Colby Covington back-to-back, and... And you hope that as a martial artist, he went back and goes, okay, listen, what do I need to do to get better? Um, And oftentimes, you know, the same way that Colby and Tyron and Kamaru will never be as good as him in jiu-jitsu, he will never be as good as those guys in wrestling, realistically, 
right? right? You can do certain things and you can you can adjust certain things to 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 maybe finish a single or a double a little bit sharper. But if it doesn't work, you better have a plan B and a plan C. And I was very surprised that he didn't go to his guard from that position. Here he is with a deep single. And what does he do? He tries to force it until he has bad structure. You see uh, Kamaru push down on his head. His head is lower than his hips. And then he goes to guard, which made no sense to me. Then he's got a deep underhook from a clinch where he can again go to a very deep half guard, which we've seen him use against guys like Jorge Masvidal and others to take the back. He did it against Matt Brown. He didn't do it. Uh, he forced the takedown until he, he kind of got his uh, structure compromised yet again, and then he goes to guard, or he's taking a bad shot from outside. And I, I just hate seeing um, the same mistakes repeated again in, in a guy like Damian Maya. So I was expecting a different performance, a different twist on some of his um, takedowns um, and, and willingness to try to take the fight to the mat. I was looking for more creativity, um, and I just didn't see that. So that was frustrating for me because he certainly was in those positions where he could have taken it to the mat uh, with an advantageous position. And right. um, it's unfortunate. And again, you know, listen, that 0 for 49 stat, while it is pretty remarkable to, to see that, you know, this guy hasn't taken anybody down in three fights and, and he's been stuffed repeatedly fight after fight after fight, um, it is against a very tough style matchup, right? So, you, you know, we're taking one stat and we're putting it up against guys who are phenomenal sure. wrestlers. Um, but it, it is alarming. That, that's alarming at 40 years old, right? So right. Uh, for Damien, I would have liked to have seen more creativity and, and, and better, better strategy because I, I just don't think he had a great strategy heading into this one. You know, I just think it's interesting because I feel like maybe if you were where Damian Maya is at at this stage of your career, then you would walk away even if there was $150,000 in show money or whatever it is, right? Because you've talked about this sort of lack of evolution and he had three weeks to make 171 pounds, right? To fight a yeah. main event to sort of save this Chile card. And, you know, I, 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 I hate to say he's got a couple kids, right? Like, I just don't know after the Woodley loss if – the focus in the gym is really on taking it to the next level and really trying to shore up weaknesses right. as much as it is to, you know, stay healthy, stay relatively sharp, continue to hone your strengths and make the weight, make the walk and, and you know, cash that show money. Sure. And, you know, because at the end of the day, a lot of these guys are prize fighters. And to me, it seems like he's sort of hanging on once he wasn't able to break through against Tyron Woodley. His title fight in a second division, it took him mm -hmm. forever mm -hmm. to get that title fight against Tyron Woodley. And I just think at this point in time, not to sit here and say he's cashing a check, but I think his better days are behind him. And I, I don't know that his focus is where you want it to be, which is right. on making these major improvements to try to beat the best guys in the world. Yeah, and that's what concerns me. And, and you make a great point. I mean, if you're not getting better in this game, uh, what are you doing? You know, for, for me, and it wasn't, for me, that's what it was always about, was learning from your mistakes, which I made a lot of, uh, and, and trying to come back a different fighter, uh, you know, with a different twist, with some kind of improvement, uh, learning from your deficiencies as a fighter, and we, we just didn't see that in Damien, and of course, listen, he did take this fight on short notice, but still, you know, after losing like that i would always go back and go geez man what what am i doing here i, I didn't even if whether i had a fight or not i was always trying to uh improve on, on the things and the mistakes that i made and and looking for different ways to do things 
um, and, and didn't always have a solution to those things, of course. But um, right. I, I think that's what you're, you're, that's where your head has to be if you want to continue right. fighting. And he has, what, three or four fights left on his contract. He says right. he wants to finish those out. Go out in style because Damien has the ability uh, to improve as a fighter. There's no doubt about it. Is he going to be the best striker in the world? Is he going to be the best wrestler in the world? No, but that there's ways that he can um, train to improve himself as a martial artist and, and uh, yeah. shore up those weaknesses. And as it was articulated on the post-fight show, there's still plenty of guys in this top 15 that he will provide a, a very stiff problem for potentially so uh all right that's it on the main event and, and kamar usman of course the big story his next fight he will try to go to nine and zero in the ufc and as kenny said at 170 pounds just nothing easy about it um that brings us to tatiana suarez now when we did our podcast last week we had the opening line the line wasn't really available on a lot of websites so she was minus 190 for our purposes. She closed about minus 700. And you saw wow. exactly why many of us fancy her a former UFC, excuse me, a future UFC strawweight champion. Look what she just did to the number nine ranked fighter in the world. I know stylistically this was maybe a good matchup for Tatiana Suarez to fight sort of a non-grappler. But Alexa Grasso just put in the 10-week training camp of her life to try to solve this puzzle that is Tatiana Suarez, and that's how it went. It was over in three minutes. Suarez is a world-beater, man, and I'm excited to see her get the repetitions and make a sort of gradual run to the top. I think to understand Tatiana Suarez um, and the division, I guess, in general, you kind of have to go back to the beginning, and this is a division that hasn't been around for so long. Women's mixed martial arts hasn't been around for so long, right? It hasn't been, uh, certainly hasn't been around in the UFC uh, as long uh, as the men's divisions, right? So I think that if you come into this sport with uh, a highly specialized area where you are significantly better than everybody else in a certain domain, like a Mackenzie Dern in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like a Tatiana Suarez um, with her wrestling, um, like a Yuana Young Jacek with, with your striking, um, you're going to have such a huge advantage over everyone else who was kind of learning the sport as it goes, right? You know, to come into this sport uh, and kind of know a little bit of everything, it's still not going to be good enough against someone like a Tatiana Suarez who can always take you down and put you on your back no matter who it is. That will go a very long way in this sport. If you are aggressive in women's mixed martial arts and you have a highly specialized domain, um, you can be a champion, period. Yeah, uh, right. and, and Tatiana Suarez has those skills. She's the best wrestler in that division. Um, yeah. You know, Andrade has tremendous takedown ability. I don't know if she's as technical as a Suarez, uh, but those two women, as far as takedown ability, are, are head and shoulders above everybody else. And it was a bad matchup against Grasso, who wanted to keep it on the feet. She she right. tried to kind of you know utilize her jiu-jitsu or get back to her feet. She just did. She didn't have enough skill uh, against someone like Suarez. So um, right. amazing performance, really silenced the cla uh, the crowd, and um, again moves up the rankings in the process just needs to stay healthy and stay yeah. active and i think suarez is going to really position herself to make a straw weight run and i'm glad you sort of set up the history because when you hear suarez talk about where she's at relative to the elite i mean she's not in any rush she could have got on the microphone and called out michelle watterson mm -hmm. or felice herrig uh, and i think maybe her next opponent would come out of that too but i'm not sure it's going to be michelle watterson and herrig's coming off a loss so maybe there's some pause there but She's not in any great rush. I think she wants to learn the game and, and progress accordingly. But I think for Alexa Grasso, this has to be, Kenny, a, a tough pill to swallow because 
She had a long training camp. Yeah. She knows that this is sort of her Achilles heel. My amateur eyes tell me that defensively she was actually doing the right things to try to keep the fight upright. And once there was closure, you know, there was no separation thereafter, right? As soon as Suarez got her down one time, she couldn't get away from the skin-to-skin no. situation again. And there are fighters like that that are going to test Grasso. And I think for her, you work so hard, you feel like you're in position to handle this challenge. And three minutes later, you're in the locker room thinking like, man, where do I go from here? That's right. And this is one of those fights, I think, that will get her to go back to uh, her camp and, and start to question some things. Am I doing everything possible to be the best mixed martial artist I can be? Do I have a competent wrestling coach? Am I with the right team? Um, you know, am I training right? Am I training smart? Uh, these are the questions she she needs to ask herself if she wants to advance and beat, um, you know, the grapplers like an Andrade and and, and a Suarez. Um, I still think she has a lot of potential as a fighter, um, but does she have the right training regiment right now and the right coaches around her? I'm not so sure. It's interesting because Jessica Andrade, number two in the world right now, is chomping at the bit to get back in there. I, I would be stunned if they gave Jessica Andrade, Tatiana Suarez. I think you keep those two away. Yeah, I think I you think have so two too. viable contenders there. Maybe you do the Felice Herrig fight, even though they don't like to set up a winner against a loser, because Felice, I think, is a good litmus test. And, and maybe Michelle Waterson off the win over Courtney Casey, but I'm not sure that, that that's an appetizing fight for Michelle necessarily. But yeah. Tatiana Suarez is, is in the mix, and I don't know how widely viewed this show was, but a nice co-main event showcase for her nonetheless. And, and again, I do think that a couple years down the line, we're going to talk about Tatiana Suarez in that championship picture, if not sooner. Yeah. Um, Dominic Reyes, Kenny, similarly, I think, can make a run here in this light heavyweight division. When you look at the rankings... At 205 pounds, a lot of it's the old guard. A lot of it is littered with guys who are coming off a loss. Dominic Reyes has never lost 3-0 and in the UFC. Kenny, all of them first-round finishes. And I think this one, chief among them, the most impressive, what he did to a, to a fairly durable and UFC-tested Jared Cannonier over the weekend. Yeah, and, and that was the big question for Reyes was, okay, listen, he's beating these guys. He's not getting some early knockouts, but... Who is he doing it against? Can he do it like a, uh, against a guy in Cannoneer who has faced some very stiff competition in the UFC very early on in his career? Well, we have our answer. <laughs> we got another uh, early knockout uh, from Race, and it was a beautiful shot on the inside, just kind of like a fadeaway uppercut right in the pocket that caught Cannoneer. Cannoneer never saw it coming. Cannoneer was ducking down. Ray, he's uh, recognized that. So he's showing... Um, you know, a, a good uh, intelligence inside the mixed martial arts octagon, and yep. um, I thought he moved very well. Six foot four. I mean, he made Cannoneer look tiny, and I know Cannoneer has has talked about maybe going down to 185 pounds, but he's not necessarily a small uh, 205 pounder. This isn't a Cannoneer who lacks strength or, or lacks power. He can knock guys out at 205 pounds. That's not necessarily the issue. The problem is race is just gigantic for that division. Dude. Six foot four, are you kidding me? Moves really well. He's lean. Um, you know, I think he has so much potential, John. We still haven't seen everything that Reyes can do in there. Um, right. and, and I think we have a guy who really could be a champion in that division. No doubt about it, man. There's muscle to be added to that frame, yes. too. And he can cut down, I think, and make this weight easily for or a long time. Or move up time. to heavyweight I, at some point. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that's something that they have talked about. But this really is a student of the game. You saw him go for a takedown at one point in time. He's willing to mix up the martial arts. 
that left hand is huge. And Jared Cannonier narrowly avoided a couple of hooks yeah. that are going to put a lot of light heavyweights out for good. So I'm excited to see Dominic Reyes. And I say student of the game. You know, his brother uh, got a short notice opportunity in the UFC against Platinum Mike Perry. Those guys, I think, are estranged, the Reyes brothers, actually. Yes. But big picture, Dominic Reyes, he's got Joe Stevenson and others, highly credentialed guys in his corner. Uh, and he, he loves this shit, right? That's important, too, right? Bill Belichick talks a lot about that loving football drafting players who love football as sort of number one prerequisite and i do think with dominic ray is more than a lot of young fighters i shouldn't say that but generally speaking of all the young fighters that i have come across this guy is one of those with this appetitive nature hunger to learn more about mixed martial arts humble in terms of where he's at right now and and i think kenny certainly shares my excitement on uh on dominic reyes how about vicente luque uh, were you able to see that, or were you doing the pre-fight show? I mean, this is a kid who's won six of seven now in the UFC, dropped his UFC debut. He's finished all six of his UFC wins, and for my money, Kenny, some pretty big names on, well, I shouldn't say big names, but I should say guys that I respect a lot, Bilal Muhammad, Nico Price, Chad Laprise, all knockouts, none of them TKOs. This is a guy who's got a very good chin, a lot of different skills, mental, physical package, Vicente Luque with a, a huge win and, and something that caused me to sit up and sort of take notice when I was watching. Uh, without a doubt, and, and I got to say, I, this, is the, this is the way I, I saw this fight going. It was Laprise who I thought was the more technical striker. I thought he was going to be uh, landing more combinations, more strikes. He was moving uh, very well. But he's undersized for that division, and he was going against a guy in Vincente Luque who hits very, very hard. Um, and and Laprise, he's doing well until he isn't. He he has a tendency of of getting yeah. opened up, and he exposed his center line at the very wrong time. I thought he opened up a little bit too early against someone like Luque, and Luque did a great job of just being the predator. He was just out of range. He kept putting the pressure on Laprise. Um, and once he exposed that center line, he went for that nice blitz, caught Laprise, put him out, and man, I, I was concerned for Chad uh, there, and um, I was yeah. concerned for him heading into this fight against Luque, who uh, is big for the division, hits very hard, um, and Laprise moves really well, just defensively just needs to know when to move his head and, and when to throw those combinations a little bit better, and um, yeah, unfortunate result there for Chad, but uh, Luque, man. He, he, he's a great fighter. And, and it was interesting because he did most of his training in Brazil. He actually left right. uh, training down in South Florida and, and went to Brazil. And I wasn't sure what kind of Luque we were going to see. But uh, very solid, man. Solid performance, no doubt. Right. And he said after the fact that it was one of the best training camps of his life. And to your point, the frame for this division. He's not the tallest guy, but he is a big welterweight. This yeah. is a guy who fought Tiago Santos at middleweight and knocked him out, I believe, back in 2012 or 13. So, yeah, Vicente Luque moving on up, and, and the pro record isn't going to wow you. He's 13-6-1, but when you start to watch a guy put it all together, you start to think, hey, maybe not unlike Leon Edwards, this guy, and that's the only guy, by the way, to beat Vicente Luque in his last seven, maybe he works his way to a main event. When yes. you get that big fight, look what happens. Look what Darren Till has going on this weekend. The BBC radio is going to broadcast Darren Till this guy is a massive massive deal and we're going to get to that soon yeah. but it can happen pretty quickly so congratulations to uh Vicente Luque um we're going to talk to Adam Hill here in a minute but I want to talk about Gabriel Benitez just for a second in the context of a conversation I had with with Javi Mendez about Mowgli and and this featherweight picture and when the call came in for Gabriel Benitez to fight Umberto Bandene in Chile 
I think Benitez wanted a, a bigger name, and he there was some reluctance. What's the upside to this fight? And Javier Mendez had this conversation with me before the fight. He said, "Look, you know, you take this fight. It's a fight that on paper you're supposed to win. Mm-hmm. Show off your skills." accrue experience maybe you get a fifty thousand dollar bonus and then put yourself in position for another big fight and it worked out exactly that way i mean he got the bonus uh he got a huge knockout against the guy that on paper he was supposed to beat and now he takes that experience another fight week and the confidence that goes with it as he tries to take on some of these other featherweight killers so i thought it was interesting from coach speak to the desired result and a big win for uh, for Gabriel Mowgli Benitez. Excellent advice there from Javier Mendez. And uh, for Benitez, you know, um, he just did everything better than the Peruvian fighter Umberto Bandanay. And I think uh, for Bandanay, you know, he had a, a very exciting performance in his debut in the UFC and obviously had a great knockout. Um, but it's not like he didn't have any weaknesses. You know, he, he did have a lot of weaknesses. He's not the most technical fighter. I think he has a lot of potential, uh, mm-hmm. fights very hard, but uh, Benitez certainly has, has faced tougher competition. So this was a tough fight for Bond and I, uh, but good advice there from Javier Mendez. I, I'm a big believer in experience, experience in the UFC. And I think just going through that fight week routine and dealing with, you know, the pressures of fighting in there and, and you know, getting your wins, getting your experience, seeing as much as you can in the octagon is only going to help you as a fighter. And, and I don't yeah. think Bond and I was a huge risk to take uh, for Benitez, but it was going to be a good learning experience. And, uh, you know, all those things came true of what uh, Javier Mendez told him. So uh, congratulations to Benitez. 39-second fight and an extra 50K. For Slammed the him on his head. Product. Yeah, beautiful. And and you knew those slam knockouts, those those, those get bonus money more often than not. Don't happen all that often. All right, last fight on my list, and I didn't see the, the fight past prelims, so I apologize to... Claudio Pui, yes, I got to go back and watch that comeback and everything with Barzola and Davis. But the fight of the night in the women's flyweight division, and this is a division that really could use a fight of the night. And they got it here with Andrea Lee, KGB, making her UFC debut against Veronica Macedo. And it was unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board for Andrea Lee. Entertaining fight, and I'm just happy to see Macedo walk with 50K because I just thought in defeat she fought her ass off too. Uh, Both of these women really fought their asses off. I mean, they went hard, man. Uh, Very aggressive strategy from both women. Um, Really, this fight was everywhere. I mean, this fight was exciting on the feet. It was exciting on the ground. Uh, both these women really went for it. I think Lee also just, uh, I, I think we have a, a potential star in that division. Just the, the way possible. that she carried yeah. herself, um, the style that she brought in the octagon. Then after the after the fight, she was not happy. She's like, listen, I, I didn't fight a great fight. I, I really right. was kind of disappointed. I thought I fought a lot I, I should have fought a lot better. I should have fought a lot smarter. Um, so I think, you know, we have a real martial artist here, uh, you know, former Muay Thai uh, champion. Um, who showed some ground skills. Big for the division, strong. Yeah. And Macedo was game, man. We had a great fight because both those women really brought it, were aggressive, um, and uh, they definitely entertained. And you talk about things happening quickly. I mean, that's really a division where it oh. could happen within you know 12 to 18 months. You could find yeah. yourself in a title eliminator. Absolutely. All right, Adam Hill in a minute, but first this from Quicken Loans. Support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. 
It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash anik, rocketmortgage.com slash A-N-I-K, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, and mlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Oh, well, now with us on the guest line, Kenny, if this guy was a big drinker, I, I might not have even have called him this early uh, because the celebration continues in Las Vegas, folks. The Golden Knights are headed to the Stanley Cup final in their first year of his existence. And joining us live from the 702 MMA writer for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, our good friend Adam Hill is with us. Pandemonium in Vegas. The Golden Knights have done it. I know they haven't won a championship, but it sure feels like it here Monday morning, man. How are you? I am good. Four, four, four wins away, though, man. Four wins away. So we had you on last year at the start of the NHL season. We asked you over under 65 and a half points for the Golden Knights in this, their expansion season. That was the total as set by Vegas. Uh, you said, oh, under, like didn't even dignify the question. Uh, shattered that total, finished the regular season with 109 points. They've won 12 playoff games. What makes this team so good and able to sustain this type of run against elite playoff competition? Uh, I have no idea. I've been to every playoff game, home and road. I still, I still can't figure it out. I mean, listen, the team is insanely better than we all thought. There's no question about that. This is just a good team that came together very quickly. Uh, there's a lot of guys who you look at them and you're like, where did this come from? William Carlson was never a big goal scorer. Now all of a sudden he's one of the top scorers in the league. And you're like, he's had an opportunity before. Where was this? Uh, but then you've got guys like Jonathan Marcheseau, who's bounced around to a couple teams. Um, you know, he he never really fit in for whatever reason, even though he's been a pretty big production guy. And now, you know, he's you know a star player in the in the in the you know leading a team to the Stanley Cup Finals. It's it's just a collection of guys who are playing better than they ever have before. Nate Schmidt is a top defender in this league. He's one of the best defenders around. He was a healthy scratch last year for Washington. Like, he's a guy who couldn't even get on the ice in the playoffs. So, I don't know where this came from. It's a combination of, you know, everyone fitting together well. The coaching staff is, has been incredible. Every move that they've made from, hey, we're going to bench this guy for five straight games and then bring him back and he's going to score a goal. Like, okay. It's just it's amazing how things are coming together, but I still can't figure it out. Uh, you think they beat the winner of the Eastern Conference Finals between Tampa Bay and Washington? I think they beat Washington uh, yeah. because they'd have home ice, and we haven't seen anything from Washington that would tell us uh, that you know that this is the time that they're actually going to come through. Like every year, they falter at some point, and you figure it's you know it would be maybe in the finals. But I think Tampa Bay wins that series, and I think Tampa Bay would beat Vegas in the finals. Um, so I'm sure everybody here in Vegas is rooting for Washington to, to come through and you know win right. Game Six and force a Game Seven and go win that, but. Um, listen, I've picked against the Golden Knights in every series. So right. if I pick them, right. if I pick Tampa Bay, I'll probably be wrong again. Yeah. Well, and we are going to get to some MMA stuff, of course, with Adam Hill in a minute. But putting a bow on this Golden Knights situation, 
I mean, a lot of us have tried to sort of put this into context as to historically how big this is in North American sports. I know globally there have been some crazy things. Leicester City, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Kenny, in the EPL, but... I mean, Adam, where do you stand as to how big what we're seeing right now is historically, at least in North America? I think it's really, really tough to do it in the moment. I think it's like right now you're looking at it and and you're experiencing it along the way. And you're thinking, all right, it's an expansion team that could win a title. This is insane. It's crazy how this how this could happen. Uh, But I, I think there's so many different ways to look at it. Like nobody thought this was possible in, in the grand scheme of things, an expansion team coming in and winning a championship would be one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, no question about it. But at the same time, like as much as I hate to say it because I'm loving this run and being a part of it and covering it and everything else, it is still hockey. And, you know, you, you talk about it, like every time you watch the highlights, it's like the 10th thing on SportsCenter or it's, you know, uh, on any of the national shows except for, you know, on NBC Sports Network where it's covering it. Uh, you still see it buried, and it's amazing. You know, I, I was having this argument last week: is it one of the biggest sports stories of all time? And I, I was debating, and I said, "Well, it's just not getting that kind of play." And somebody was saying, "Well, it is. It's it's the biggest story ever." And I, yeah, I can't believe how big this is. And I said, "Okay, well, let's go look at some of my favorite sports blogs." And one of them, it was the twenty seventh story listed. I was like, "See, it's it's not. It's it's still hockey." As sad as it is to say that, uh, I, I just. You know, it's tough for a hockey story to be that massive. Gotcha. All right. Well, we're going to move away from hockey then. How about that? We're, well, let's <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk UFC. Uh, Darren Till taking on uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. How do you see this fight playing out, man? What's at stake here? Uh, you know, it's it's a it's amazing this fight. This it's such a good fight, and I, I think there's such a difference of opinion on it uh, because we've seen you know Stephen Thompson just so good at his best, and when he's able to establish what he wants to do he's so good Darren Till is that you know the guy that's coming up that everybody wants to see just how good he can be uh and I'm excited to see that too but I was I was watching the fights the other night uh with some you know some really good MMA people and there was quite a difference of opinion on exactly what's going to happen in the fight and I think that's what makes it interesting uh to to see what happens you know it does you know does Thompson kind of teach a lesson and hey I've been here before I've done this I've seen it all and and come through it as Darren Till shows once again that he's a future superstar. Uh, I, t- I tend to think that Stephen Thompson has a good fight here, and uh, and I, I, I tend to lean that way a little bit, but I would not be surprised at all to see Darren Till uh, come out and, and you know just be a dominant force once again. It is a fascinating fight. We have two amazing strikers uh, in there with two very different styles. But, you know, what's interesting as well is the fact that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is kind of in – UFC limbo mode, right? Like, I mean, he's lost against Tyron Woodley twice. If Tyron holds on to that belt, I'm not sure he'll ever fight for the title ever again, as good as he is. And then we have Darren Till, who's on the cusp, as you said, uh, of maybe on the same trajectory as a Conor McGregor. He has the UK um, very excited uh, about his upcoming fight. Um, He's looked phenomenal. He's coming off, you know, some huge uh, performances in the UFC um, where do you see these guys going from here with a win or a loss? Yeah, I mean, Darren Till just takes off exponentially with a win. I mean, that, this is a massive fight for him to, you know, to beat another big name guy, and, and especially he does it impressively. Um, you know, he, his stock soars, no question about it. But I think you're right about you know Stephen Thompson is in a, a case where 
he's just he's just gonna have to keep winning yeah. and hope that maybe something happens and changes hands at the top of the division. He's kind of in that uh like a Joseph Benavides spot almost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of, of just being you know just a really a really impressive fighter, a really good fighter who might have a ceiling uh, at some point because it, you can't seem to get over the top in the division against that guy. Uh, it, it's a it's a tough spot for him to be in, but you know he, he I think he knows uh, that it's a matter of just keep winning and hoping something changes at the top because he, those fights, as much as I thought they were fascinating uh, to watch and, and to see what the you know the, the mental game between those guys was, it, it's a tough sell to get that fight again, as, as you mentioned, uh, to do Woodley Thompson once again, unless unless you know they just destroy all other comers in the division and there's a lot of them right now, so. Uh, there's a lot of new talent, a lot of guys that are contenders, a lot of guys that keep winning. So uh, that is a tough sell again. So Thompson is in that spot of, hey, just keep winning, hope something changes at the top, and get a couple of victories and make your case. But, yeah, it would be a tough sell to get another title shot. All right, last MMA thing from me then in terms of this welterweight division. The interim title is going to be on the line June 9th. No betting odd that I saw this morning. I expect Rafael Dos Anjos to open as the betting favorite against Colby Covington. But how do you handicap Colby Covington's chances? Because I have yet to find an expert who is picking him in the fight, despite the fact that more often than not in the UFC, he has dominated every challenge. And I guess I'm just surprised that there isn't more momentum, at least in terms of people backing Covington to to actually win this fight and sort of, you know, back up all the tra- trash talk and everything else. Well, it, it, I guess that's I think that's what takes away from maybe what he's done is, is people look at him, I think, and, you know, this, this is just my read on, on how other people are seeing things. So I'm just kind of trying to read people's minds. I think, I think a lot of people look at him as he's just the guy that talks and he's just the guy that does the weird things. And then, yeah, he's won some fights, but it's really that, you know, he's talked his way into this and, you know, maybe he doesn't deserve it. And I think that's where a lot of people are coming from. I think when you look at it, his performances have been impressive. He might not have got all this attention and he might not have, you know, risen as fast as the division if it wasn't for the talking. But he has been winning fights, and he has been doing it impressively. So I, I think that that gets lost a little bit uh, in the shuffle when you talk about Colby Covington. Now, I, I'm not going to pick him to win this fight. Uh, right. I think I think Tosano's wins, but I think that's where you get the, you know, so a lot of people just picking against him and saying, well, he's not going to win. He's not, you know, he's not deserving of this, or he's not warranted to be in this position because he's talked his way into it. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, it helps and it helps you get attention, and it helps drive you up uh, the ratings a little bit and, and get you better shots, but uh, you also have to do it in the cage, and I think he's been doing that. Uh, I just think he's really taken away from what he's done by some of the stuff that he said, and I think people are just picking against him for that reason. Yeah. No, I think that's fair, and, and RDA's current form certainly isn't helping him, but I, I would be surprised to see Covington much sweeter than plus 150, plus 155, but uh, I could be yeah. wrong. All right, final thing. So we hung out a little bit when I lived in Las Vegas, right? I lived there for four years. I'm wearing a Vegas Golden Knights hat that I bought in October, okay? Obviously, if the Boston Bruins were still playing, they have my heart, and I could never compare anything to that. But I have supported this team from afar. I mean, are you are y'all in Vegas? Like, you guys trying to, like, control the fan base? You want me to take my hat off? Is it okay if I root for the team? Like, where do I stand? I mean, I think being here for a while, I think you're okay. Um, it's it's the the people that have, I don't know, there are certain people that, that are all obsessed with two different teams, and people have been obsessed with one team for a long time right. that have Can't now jumped it. over. And it's, it's a little bit bothersome. Now, just 
for full disclosure, I am known in Vegas, you know, I do the radio show here as the most anti VGK person around. But right. that, it's not fair. It's totally not fair. I just have been, I've been realistic about things. And I guess I've been kind of cautioning against, you know, getting carried away, which was probably wrong at this point. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, you know, people have said I don't like them. One of the things that I think uh, have been a problem for me is that, and sorry, I'm getting a call if I'm cutting up here. Uh, for two years, I spent, telling, I spent telling people how important it is that they're getting a team, how, how fun this is going to be to have Major League Sports here in Vegas. I've been singing, singing the praises of how big, you know, how big it is to have Major League Sports in Vegas. And people are like, yeah, it's just hockey. It's just hockey. Who cares? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. When, like the day that they made the announcement, the day that they made the name, you know, they announced the team name, the, the day season tickets went on sale, all these dates, I was like, this is so big. This is so important. And people were like, oh, shut up. You're just, you know, you're just playing the hype game and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden they start winning, and it's the greatest thing that ever happened to the city. And I'm like, yeah, I've been telling you guys this for years. What are you talking about? So it was kind of annoying right. to me, I guess, uh, a lot of the people that were just jumping on board. Uh, but, you know, at this point, it's tough not to cheer for this team. I guess I'll, I'll concede that. Uh, there are you know, a bunch of guys that are just having fun with it. And uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, getting to know him a little bit this year is just, as far as athletes go, I mean, he's one of the most humble, like down-to-earth, just like nice people uh, I've ever dealt with in, in sports. So it's tough not to cheer for a lot of these guys. I, I concede that. And you were around here enough, so I mean you're okay. But there is there is a a part of the bandwagon that's just completely obnoxious. No, and that's all fair. And, and I appreciate you giving me the go ahead to keep cheering for the Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, we'll see how <laughs> yeah. it plays out. I think there's a part of Adam Hill that would like nothing more than to see the Tampa Bay Lightning dust the Vegas Golden Knights or the Capitals and uh, not have them finish the job. But I appreciate your insight, and we look forward to talking to you at some point before football season. Uh, and about your Buffalo Bills, but uh, Wonder Boy's on hold, so I got to let you go. We love you. Congrats to Vegas. Tell Cof- tell Cofield to fuck off. <laughs> wow, okay, that's strong. And uh, thank you for making me the arbiter of all things Golden Knights fans. Yeah, hey, that, yeah, well, it's a good role for you. So thanks for the time, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Anytime. Talk to you guys. And, of course, I jest with our good buddy Steve Cofield, uh, who's probably loving this Vegas Golden Knights run as we speak. But now with us on the guest line, he is one of the most accomplished American strikers to ever grace the octagon, and he's maintained status really in the UFC as one of the best welterweights in the world for four or five years now. And, and I think you might just see him, by the way, in the future as The Bachelor on ABC in case there have been major <laughs> changes in his love life recently. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is with us. WB, always appreciate the time, man. How are you? Oh, feeling great, man. We are in Liverpool, sucking down the water right now, you know, getting, getting this, this, uh, this weight cut ready, and, uh, you know, glad to be on with you guys. So how was the trip? When did you get there, and, and has your life been threatened yet? <laughs> it has not been threatened yet. Uh, actually, the fans have been pretty cool so far. Um, we got in actually yesterday around 8 o'clock uh, a.m., so the jet lag kind of got to us a little bit, but feeling good today and uh, just pre- prepping, man. You know, got a few, got in a few days early just to prepare for the, uh, you know, just get acclimated to the the area and, and the jet lag, but I'm feeling strong, my friend, feeling strong. Well, you sound strong, and fans in the U.K. are as knowledgeable and passionate as any in the world, and I bet they love you. See, Stephen Thompson's got a big fan base. I remember New York was all about you the two or three times you fought there. So this is your 13th UFC fight overall. 
what are your expectations for this fight and this atmosphere that you're going to be walking into this Saturday night? Well, you know, you know, fighting in, in you know, enemy territory can get to some people, but, you know, I, I'm kind of enjoying it, to be honest with you. When you think of, uh, of a bad guy, you're not thinking of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know if I'm, you know, I guess I'm considered the bad guy in, in this situation, you know, till being, uh, you know, from Liverpool. But, uh, yeah, man, the fans are, are very passionate here, and I understand that um, I'm not going to be cheered on uh, you know, like I am, uh, like Darren Till is, I'll probably end up getting booed, but it's, it's kind of making it a fun thing to be honest. With you. I'm, I'm kind of excited to kind of go out there and, um, you know, be that bad guy with a smile on my face. <laughs> you're, fi- you're fighting Darren Till in Liverpool. <laughs> in fo- <laughs> fucking Liverpool, man. <laughs> Liverpool. Liverpool. Exactly perfect accent. How the fuck are you going to be? Listen, <laughs> what do you think about uh, Darren? Do you think he's going to come out and really try to pressure you and look for that knockout right right from the beginning? What are you expecting from Till in this fight? You know, I think so. I think he's going to come out aggressive, which is, I don't mind. You know, most of the guys that I face in the UFC are really aggressive fighters, except for Tyron. Um, but, um, you know, uh, it's something that I'm used to. He says he's going to knock me out in the second round, so that kind of tells me that he's going to come out pretty aggressive trying to get it done. Um, uh, you know, he's a good striker, keeps his right side forward, throws his left hand, left leg kick. He likes to throw elbows. Um, and not your traditional Muay Thai stylist, to yeah. be honest with you. He's a little bit different. Um, you know, but there, there's a lot of, of course, there's holes in everybody's, in everybody's game. But I think there is, you know, for, especially if he's going to come out aggressive, there's going to be plenty of opportunity to me to put this guy away. Of course, I don't like going out and, and, and predicting a knockout. You know, I'm ready for five, five-minute rounds, but um, hey, man, you never know. You know, for me, looking from the outside in, it, it seems that an aggressive fighter tends to bring out the best in Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Do you agree with that? I do. I do. I love it, man. I guess with, with my karate style, I mean, there's a lot, there's, there's, the aggressive fighters tend to run into a lot of things. If it's a foot, if it's a hand, uh, which you know, makes those knockouts a little bit easier. Of course, I don't think uh, you know, Darren Till is going to be an easy, an easy win whatsoever. I think he's going to be the best Darren Till. You know, he's fighting in his hometown in front of his family and friends, so I know he's going to be prepared. So I don't expect it to be easy at all. But uh, do I visualize my hand being raised in this fight? Of course, man. Of course. Uh, he's ranked number seven right now, and, you know, I'm still ranked number one. And to be honest with you, uh, um, you know, I, I wasn't at first when I was approached for this fight, I wasn't going to take it. You know, I had two broken thumbs and was kind of wanted to see where the welterweight division was going. But, uh, you know, that said, here I am, man, getting ready to fight uh, this coming Sunday and ready to rock and roll. Uh, Stephen, what do you think you need to do? Assuming Tyron holds onto that belt, what do you think you need to do to get that third fight against Tyron? You know, if I go out there and really put on a show, um, and it kind of really depends on who fights uh, Tyron next. You know, the interim title, um, I think match should be coming up here pretty soon, pretty pretty uh, pretty quickly. I think um, uh, depending on who wins that will determine whether I. I get that immediate next shot, or I may have to fight a few times. I think if RDA or Colby Covington beats, beats uh, Tyron, I'll get that next shot. If Tyron wins, I'll probably have to fight one more time in order to get that shot. So it's kind of up in the air right now. Gotcha. Simpsonville, South Carolina. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson with us on the Anakin Florian Podcast. Fights Darren Till in the main event. You can see it Saturday afternoon on FS1 here in the States, or I think it's Sunday. Um, so... Can you recall the most hostile environment that you've competed in as an athlete? Because I think if anybody else was walking in there against Darren Till, you know, they might 
really be in for it, but I think your nature and, and your appeal is such <laughs> that maybe they'll be kind of easy on you. I don't know, man. I don't know. They are very passionate about their fighters, and, you know, Darren being from Liverpool, it might get a little crazy, but hopefully, you know, there's a, there's a huge soccer game going on, uh, excuse me, football game <laughs> going on <laughs> Saturday, so hopefully they'll get a lot of those frustrations and, and energy out then. But, uh, you know, I'm expecting booze, man. I'm expecting everybody's going to be off or till, and, you know, I'm expecting that. But, you know, I'm going to go out with a smile on my face and be respectful to everybody and uh, and go out there and, and leave with the W and hopefully leave Liverpool with a few extra fans. Uh, so that's the plan, man. That's the plan. I, so far since I've been here the past two days, everybody's been great, to be honest with you. Yeah. How do you gauge fan interest for a given fight of yours? I don't know if it's through social media or otherwise because I would think – this one is off the charts. Like I'm not going. I can't wait, dude, to sit down and watch this fight on on FSY. I mean, are you? Do you sense that from the fans that like people are all sorts of jacked up for this fight in particular? Oh, definitely, especially through yeah. social media. What everybody's been talking about, you know, being one of the best stand-up fights uh, in 2018. So, and you know, I've prepared really hard for this fight. Um, you know, I look at it as, as if Darren Till has the title, and that's what I'm winning. That title was is against him. So even though everybody's like, even though he's ranked number seven, everybody thinks I'm just going to mow through this guy. But everybody in this division, everybody in, in the UFC has the potential to put you away. You know, I mean, I remember watching the, his, Khabib's last fight. You know, the guy he fought was way down in the rankings but gave him one of his hardest fights, I think, uh, uh, especially in recent times. I mean, um, you know, he uh, definitely, definitely made him work a little bit a lot harder than what Bar- Barbosa did, you know, and he was lower in the ranking. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm preparing for a war. That's what I'm preparing for. And I think the fans kind of sense that. And, uh, and that's what I'm going to give. I'm going to go out there and put on a show for them and, and uh, for everybody who helped get me here. So um, I'm prepared for that. A couple more minutes here with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson joining us live from Liverpool. Now, if you told us you were 25 years old without checking IDs, no one would bat an eye, but you are 35 years old. Till 10 years your junior, he's 25. But on paper, you have a huge edge in terms of level of competition, championship experience. I mean, maybe not the edge in MMA experience, similar amount of fights, but do you see that as a big advantage or is that overrated when you're looking at a singular fight? You know what? It really depends on the, the, the fighter. Sometimes you can tell if it if it makes a difference. You know, you know, listening to the guys' interviews and things like that. But to be honest with you, I don't I don't think it. I don't think Darren really cares. Uh, I do think yeah. it's, it is a little bit more pressure on him because he is fighting in his hometown in front of everybody, um, and this is one of the biggest fights of his career so far. I mean, he's fought main events before against uh, you know Donald Cerrone, but he's never been five five in a round. And, uh, you know, we'll see how he does. I, I've had many fights going to the distance in some of the hardest fights in, uh, man, in my career, I know. And um, I've been through, um, you know, situations where most people would give up, um, you know, right. being in those five, five-minute round fights and, and uh, having that experience with the, those high-level uh, MMA fighters. But to be honest with you, I think uh, uh, Darren, he's a smart guy, man, and I don't think he – that kind of stuff bothers him. So, right. well, that's the kind of Darren I'm prepared for anyway. Between June of 2016 and March of 2017, a span of nine months, you fought three 25-minute fights in the UFC. The title fights with Woodley, that headliner against Rory McDonald. 
lot of championship experience. I wonder if those fights hadn't all happened in nine months. I mean, was that calendar for you for that Woodley rematch a little much, or did you feel like maybe the activity and being in training camp after training camp actually was a benefit on fight night? You know what? I, I'm, I'm very positive, guys, and I, and I look at as, as uh, you know, a positive thing, you know, going out there and going going 10 rounds with the champion, man, with the champion. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's just not somebody, and everybody expected, you know, and, and some of those some of those uh, fights were kind of controversial. Some people said I won it, and some sure. people said he won it, and, you know, so I look at it as that. So I, that is huge experience for me, and I think it's a bonus for me as well. So I did take a little time off because I had a knee injury or, uh, you know, after the first tyrant fight, had a little bit of time off, uh, you know, from my last fight with Mazda where I broke both my thumbs. So my body's actually doing very well. Um, you know, train smart, and I am 35. I'm not getting any younger, but I like to consider myself a, a young 35-year-old. Uh, I don't take a whole lot of damage. I try not to anyway, and I right. think that, that plays a huge part in, in the, the longevity of my career. So, I mean, he may be 10 years uh, I may be 10 years a senior, but you know what? I don't think that matters going into this fight. I'm, I'm, I'm in the best shape of my life. Well, you couldn't sound any better, man. The UFC's number one ranked welterweight contender, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, faces Darren Till in front of a sellout crowd in Liverpool this weekend. You can see it on FS1. Hey, man, I know it's a busy time. We sincerely appreciate you breaking away for a few minutes. Hope the cut goes well, and we look forward to watching this weekend, my man. All the best. Thanks a lot, guys. I really do appreciate it. And hopefully we'll talk to you guys after. My man, thank you so much. There he is, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, with us on the Anik and Florian podcast. I cannot wait for that fight. And to that end, Ken Flo's got to make some picks. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Well, today's guest picker grew up in Buffalo, New York, but he's a Celtics and Red Sox fan. I don't even know how that happens. Proud today to be repping the United States Navy. Jonathan M. Salgado is with us. Jonathan, appreciate your time today, sir. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing well, and collectively, we all thank you for your service. So you're a self-described ravenous watcher of the UFC. You have been for more than a decade. It says here Kenny Florian is your all-time favorite fighter I know that can't be right. Is that true, Jonathan? Kenflo, number one for you all time? Uh, unfortunately, uh, it is actually. Uh, you gotta I, uh, watch. You gotta watch more UFC, man. <laughs> Certainly, there's I've a better been fight out there. Since uh, tough one, and you know, he was just such a nice guy. <laughs> You're and the man, said, this John. This is my guy. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Very kind. So, how do you grow up in Buffalo and root for the Celtics? How does that happen? Uh, painfully. Yeah, that's how. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I uh, bet. Every, everybody's a, a Bills and Sabres and Yankees fan, and I just decided to be difficult and go the opposite way on everything. Yes. We like that. We're happy to have you, and happy to have you making picks today. I know you know your stuff. UFC Liverpool this weekend, Thompson Till in the main event. I've been thinking it's a Saturday show. I think it's Sunday. i got to dot my I's, cross my T's. Um, before the picks, we'll update the standings. 53-40 going into UFC Chile. You went head-to-head with our buddy Jimmy Ubley. You guys tied 5-5. So 58-45 heading into UFC Liverpool. First fight for us today, 
Should be a good one here at Featherweight. Mississippi mean Jason Knight taking on Mr. Finland, Makwan Amir Khani. So Amir Khani 3-1 and one in the UFC, but he did drop his last fight split decision to Arnold Allen. Jason Knight, amazing to think where this kid was a year ago. Literally May 13, 2017, finishes Chaz Skelly four consecutive wins, then closes out the year with back-to-back losses to Ricardo Lamas and then Gabriel Benitez. So Mississippi mean, I would think Jonathan needs a win here. So does Mr. Finland. Which way are you going, the American Jason Knight or the Finland product Makwan Amir Khan? You know, I actually work down in New Orleans, and uh, Mississippi Mean is training about an hour east of me. So I'm going to have to look over my shoulder for the next week because I'm actually going with Makwan Amir Khan. I yeah, think you that uh, the blueprint's out on how to beat Jason Knight. You just maintain good distance. He exposes wild striking with good counters. You know, avoid the scrambles. That seems to be where he shines. And I think Amir Khani can do that. He's got the background in Greco-Roman and freestyle wrestling. He maintains good top control. I think he comes out with a, you know, maybe not exciting, but a pretty decisive win. Kenny, Jason Knight, going to be interesting to see what he has done in terms of improvement since the Gabriel Benitez fight. Makwan Amir Khani, the challenge this weekend. I know you know both guys pretty well. Which way are you going? Yeah, listen, I think John is correct. I, I see uh, Amir Khani being able to stop the takedowns. I know he's been taking time off. Why? To actually improve his game. Uh, I really like the fact that he's been, been able to do that and uh, taking his martial arts career very seriously. Um, Jason Knight, I, I think, is... is can be dangerous with the submissions. I just don't know if he's going to be able to get that fight to the ground enough and, and get Amir Khani in trouble. I'm going to go with the Finnish fighter, Amir Khani. All right, co-main event, boys. England's Craig the Thundercat White making his UFC debut on 12 days notice. Steps in for Gunnar Nelson against Neil Magny. This guy should be Craig Borsari and Dana White's favorite fighter, Craig White. 14 and 7 is Craig White. He has won his last four, though, Ken Flo. Biggest name he has fought, at least to my knowledge, Leon Edwards. That was 2012. So here he faces Neil Magny. 19th UFC appearance, Jonathan, for Neil Magny. Beat Carlos Condit back in December. No betting line as yet for the co main event, John. You going with White or Magny? You know, Neil Magny is one of those guys that, that when I see his name on the card, I, I just, I'm thankful that I'm not a, how you would say, degenerate gambler because, uh, you know, he, he wins when, when he shouldn't, and he comes out and he doesn't look great when he's a favorite, and it's kind of frustrating. But, uh, you know, he is coming off that win over Carlos Condit, although everybody kind of agrees that it was kind of a shell of Carlos Condit that we're, that we're not used to seeing. And uh, I think Craig White comes in. He's got nothing to lose. He's a wild uh, finisher, and I think he kind of surprises Neil Magny, and, and it's in front of his home countrymen. I think he pulls off the upset. How about it? Jonathan coming hard today, picking Craig White, and you're probably going to get a pretty juicy price on that, I would think. Uh, Ken Flo Magny versus White, which way are you go? Interesting. Well, you know, I'm going to go with Neil Magny here. I, I think he's a guy who, who plays it pretty safe for the most part. I think he's going to be able to use that jab, uh, keep White on the outside, and probably wins this fight by decision. All right, main event. We've spent a bulk of the show on it. Absolutely outstanding. Steven Wonderboy Thompson, the minus 165 betting favorite or so. Darren Till coming back about plus 140. Uh, Wonderboy trying to do enough here, as Kenny sort of mentioned, to potentially earn a third title shot. He did beat Jorge Masvidal in November. Um, trying to make it two in a row here against the gorilla Darren Till. 
who I really think is coming into his own, and I really think this is like the perfect test at this time for him. He's 16-0-1 overall, 4-0-1 in the UFC. Jonathan, this is the main event. We will need the method of victory in the round. Are you going Thompson or Till in Liverpool? You know, I was going back and forth with my wife in the kitchen, just talking her ear off about this fight, and uh, I'm pretty, I'm still pretty torn up, but... Uh, you know, Wonder Boy looks pretty untouchable besides, you know, the few moments that he got rocked against Woodley. But you got to go all the way back to the Matt Brown fight to find something where, where kind of a flaw. And then I look at Matt Brown, I go, what did he have? He was long, he was aggressive, and, and he kind of wasn't afraid of Wonder Boy striking. And, and I think that's going to be the key here. I think Darren Till is big, he's got the length, he's aggressive, and he can close distance really fast. And I just think it's his time. We've seen a change in the guard in almost every division. And I think it continues in Liverpool. I think he gets the hometown win. I think it's close. But I think maybe a little home court advantage plays in there and he gets a split decision win. Split decision win for Darren Till, who has said he is going to knock out Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in the second round. There has been some respect mixed in there, Kenny. I mean, I think Darren Till understands what type of challenge is in front of him. I just think he is pouring with confidence right. and can't bottle that. Uh, your thoughts on this fascinating striker's delight this weekend and ultimately which way you go? Listen, I think Darren Till is a fantastic fighter. I think he has every uh, right to be confident heading into this fight. I just don't think he truly realizes what kind of a special fighter he's going to be in there with in Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I also think his aggressive style, if he comes in with that style, um, will be a poor choice. I think that brings out the best in Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I, I think Wonderboy will find a way to counter Darren Till and catch him and eventually get the knockout win uh, in and around the second and third. Let's go with uh, let's go with third round. Uh, for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, I, I think if Darren Till goes and looks for a takedown, I think that will serve him well, but I just don't see him doing it. I, I think Wonderboy uh, is going to have a fantastic performance here. All right, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson by third round knockout, the official pick for Kenneth Allen Florian. Jonathan Salgado, great job, man. I appreciate the insight and you repping the team hard, repping the U.S. Navy. Go Celtics tonight in game four and, uh, Hopefully you beat Ken Flo head-to-head, and we have you back later this year, bud. Hey, that, that'd be awesome. You know, just a shout-out to everybody in the Ultimate Pick'em Championship, and uh, I'd like to wish a safe and wonderful Memorial Day to all my brothers and sisters who have served and are currently serving the United States military. Thank you, Jonathan. I know you got your own Pick'em contest. How about that? Thanks, bud. Yes, have sir. a good week. Thanks to you guys. Thanks for everything you do, John. Thank you, man. Hey, thank you, Anna. Hey, you guys are great. All right, we got to get out of here. A little crazy today. Fire yes. alarms and stuff. Hopefully we clean some of that stuff up. Thank you to our guests, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Ray Longo, Adam Hill, Jonathan Salgado, as you just heard there. Also remember, this coming Saturday, May 26th, Ken Flo's birthday. So be sure to wish the Flo a happy birthday. Also, May Rocky BJJ is absolutely blowing up. MayRockyBJJ.com. Not a lot of room on that gray mat. I mean, I'm no, telling you, we're, we're people are starting to pack up. that place. We are so filling if you, up. If you mention the Anakin Florian podcast when you sign up at Mayrocky BJJ, I'm going to make a contribution towards your first payment. Okay? Wow. See so that? Go in there. Tell them you listen to the show. <laughs> and if you send me whatever proof that you are a member of Mayrocky BJJ, I'm, I'm going to send you something in the mail. And if this... If this ends up being, uh, if I end up spending hundreds of dollars, we will have to shut it down. But at least right now, um, I'm going to see how many, how many memberships I can actually push. Um, next Monday, 
Memorial Day. So we're not going to be live on Monday. Good news. Fresh episode coming your way Tuesday night. So we'll have a recap on Thompson Till. Also, Ken Flo's picks for FS1 UFC Fight Night, Rivera versus Marais, because that is coming up three days thereafter on Friday, June 1st from Utica, New York. All right, with that, for Ben Wasorek and the entire crew, Janko, everybody at Fox Sports, for Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for watching. Don't forget, video on YouTube now if you're in the United States, also at foxsports.com. Until next Tuesday night, have a great week. Go Celtics. Yo, later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.